Bigger than Capes. Give me some silence. Hello, welcome to Bigger Than Capes, episode one. I'm Zach, your host, and this week I am joined by all of our other hosts. So first up, Will. What's happening? Hello, how's it going? <laughs> So-so, can't complain, you know, new things. Yeah, living the dream as always. Good, good, good. Uh, next up we have Angela. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? How's things? Uh, good? I'm, I'm surviving, <laughs> yes. Surviving. There we go. It's all we can ask. And the the new days of a new year in a new mess. Com- completely the same place, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. In a new podcast. In a new podcast in a new year. And f- to to round off our awkward hellos. Hi, Matt. Hey, Zach. <laughs> How you doing? Again. I'm I'm, I'm still fine. How? <laughs> How, how about you? Also, still fine. Um, you know, I'm good. And and by still, I mean we're totally new. We've never sp- spoken on uh, audio before. That's right. This is the beginning of all of our audio. Yes. <laughs> I, I never... Wait, we, we've never met before, have we? Uh, so, like, volunteer, I'm pulling from the audience. <laughs> I don't believe we have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think that, Matt, you've got a wonderfully bad magic act in you. I just... I mean, my no granddad, my granddad uh, used to do uh, a magic act um, at Christmas every year. Um, he uh, That was until he set fire to the table one year. <laughs> I mean, it's part of all great magic acts, isn't it? Yeah. Unintended yeah. fire. Yeah. Should we tell... Uh... Tell the lovely listeners what our comic book podcast is about. Oh, I've given the game away. It's a comic book podcast. <laughs> about comic books. Uh, there's yep. going to be some jeopardy there, but alas. <laughs> yeah, spo- spoilers. It's a comic book podcast about comics. Um, if that's not what you're here for. We've I... got magic tricks <laughs> and fires. Yeah, we've got uh, yeah. Off- offbeat comedy and weird anecdotes. <laughs> <laughs> Although there might be no comedy. <laughs> but plenty of weird anecdotes. Oh, loads of those. Um, so, yeah, in, in essence, we're going to be a indie-focused comic book podcast. And by indie, we basically just mean everything that isn't Marvel and DC, as far as I've narrowed it down. In a rough nutshell. Although, I, mean, I like to think we'll make exceptions just to screw with people, right? I mean, there are some some crossovers. Uh, particularly with DC muscling in on some other properties that I wouldn't mind having a read of, but we'll see. I think there is an inevitable, like, I don't know, Batman Transformers is probably in the not-so-distant future. I imagine that's in the works if it hasn't happened already, or, like... Yeah, I'll be buying that. I, I might I'll pre-ordered just, it. I might just suggest a bunch of comics that don't exist, and we'll look back in a year's time and see how many IDW and DC have made. Maybe we should do that. We'll all put a crossover in an envelope. And then in, in 12 months' time, we'll look at it and we'll see if our crossovers were right. Yeah. I actually right. think that's a really good idea. Let's, let's definitely do that. 
we could do a series of, uh, of predictions for the year of comics. Hmm. Uh, which companies go bust? <laughs> yeah. Uh, who gets the biggest slice of the non-Marvel and DC pie? Mm. Image. I mean, yeah, it's no, probably it's, 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 it's going to be top shelf, finally. <laughs> i got a good feeling this is going to have a hell of a year. First, first yeah. second is uh, going to be the, the Kings. Um, slave Labor gra- slave labor Graphics is coming back. Oh, Matt, this is Devil Jews first. This is their year. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, man, there's a lot of publishers when you think about it and oh, yeah. kitchen sink press i i think every day where i stumble across a new comics publisher on comiXology is um oh it's just basically every day actually it's nothing else it's just mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a common occurrence that is my life is anybody else have they got, got any excitement for rob Liefeld relaunching archie's uh is it red circle line oh they're, they're trying that again oh yeah this yeah, time I, with Rob Liefeld. I thought they relaunched about five or six years they ago. They did. I believe okay. they did. It lasted it a minute. Yeah. I've enjoyed yeah, seeing Liefeld pop up of late, though. He's had some funny things to say about his odd little life. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the ghost of Christmas past. I kind of feel, I've got the impression that after his last stint, I think he's just not welcome at Marvel anymore. <laughs> What was the last thing he did? Was it Major X or something like that? Major X and was that last year? I think so. I think so. But uh, yeah, not there so much no more. Mm. I I'm kind of constantly curious about Rob Liefeld. I know this is something that me and Will have talked about. Basically, when anyone when any one of us brings him to the table in a conversation, that I'm kind of always curious about him because he's created characters i really like Mm. but i've never seen the proof that he's done the best run of those characters i don't know how anyone else thinks feels about that but that that is true yeah 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 i think the hallmark is is that when somebody takes over one of his characters and makes a book despite the fact that the name is the same and they look similar there is almost nothing about Rob Liefeld in any of the like future <laughs> works, and that what makes them be good. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> they take very much the like the overcoating and then just make something entirely different, and that yeah. works for me. I mean, I think it's very similar. I know we're all Valiant comics fans, and I think that's very true between the '90s and the 2012 rendition, where kind of they took the names and went, "Oh, absolutely not the ideas." I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's <laughs> yeah. the core premises. But yes, yeah, the core premises. Yeah, um, for, for some things, know, and then for, for others, some things. they didn't touch the acclaim stuff. Thank yeah. God. Not yet. Not yet. Don't. Don't. I'm waiting for a remake of the HD remake of the Iron Man XO Manowar Game Boy Advance game. Oh, Jesus Christ, no. Waiting for that bad Uh, boy. Was that called Heavy Metal or something? I think it was called Heavy Metal. Iron Man Tick, XO Tick, Heavy Metal Tick. Just just good choices all around that, really, isn't it? Good stuff. Um, Oh. I, I like to think we've already done an incredible job of alienating our audience. <laughs> welcome. Right. You're not welcome here. 
You so, sat through that. Thank you. <laughs> if you've made it this far, thank you. Um, this was intended to be a little introduction to ourselves, and we've immediately gone off the rails here, I think. Which, Which is probably again, the best introduction good to introduction. introduction. Yeah. 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 It is who we are. It's the most yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah. So, how has everybody been over the Christmas holiday festive period? You uh, you've been reading any comics? You've been getting up to any comic themed stuff? <laughs> I don't know what that would entail. I, just I don't individual know cosplay. I just got all dressed <laughs> yeah. up like Optimus Prime. Then I took it off. It was grand. Good hey, there's, no, there's no shame yeah. in it. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. I, I probably had as good a Christmas as one could expect in uh in 2020 uh it was just just me and the other half uh pretty quiet but watched some crappy films um wore a a, a beautiful kfc christmas jumper that i got I'm listening. <laughs> and uh yeah christmas in 2020 didn't do much and it was nice i i pretty much agree yeah that Christmas jumper aside, very much reflects my Christmas experience, and I, I stand by it. It's, it's been all right. I'm just trying to think. I know I didn't wear a KFC themed Christmas jumper, but I, I'd say otherwise. That's a yeah, reasonably accurate description. Um, I ate a decent amount of food. Um, you know, like. By decent amount, I mean more than I should have eaten. Um, had some nice, like chocolates. Watched some bad films. Watched some good films. Um, you know, like I spent um, my bank holiday um, watching uh, some Verma Herzog uh, films, um, like Fitzcarraldo and stuff. Um, I also was given. A, as a present by a very dear friend of mine, the um, movie Money Plane um, on DVD, <laughs> which I only wanted just because I wanted to see Kelsey Grammer's um, performance in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sold. I'm on board. I'm on board the Money Plane. Yeah, so, um, yeah, like that. Um, getting to spend time with um, uh, at my parents because you know living the the one benefit of living on my own means that I can bubble with immediate family. Um, so getting to go over there for uh, uh, for Christmas dinner was nice. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Angela? Cool. I did. I had chaos in my house. Um, it was just me and my mum. But we had to cook for my elderly grandparents and an elderly neighbour. So uh, it was like a blooming restaurant kitchen all Christmas Day. It was one of the most stressful things I've ever done. That's that's usually my Christmas Day. Like My dad and I will go and spend about six or seven hours um, in the kitchen on Christmas Day and then about eight hours in the kitchen on Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't wasn't so relaxing. But I did get to watch some of the Star Wars prequels because that's what I do at Christmas. That's my Christmas tradition. So I've managed oh, yeah. to do that. 
weirdly enough, I think because of how much I enjoyed The Mandalorian, I've been really kind of like jazzed up about Star Wars again recently. And I too sat down and watched the prequels. There you go. And uh, my, Star, my Star Wars jazz is mellowed. <laughs> <laughs> there is, it's, it's frustrating because there are good films trying to get out of there. There are genuinely oh, good ideas in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, genuinely two minds about them. There's the nostalgia part of the only Star Wars film. Well, not the only ones. More have come out since. But the first Star Wars films that came out in our lifetime. Mm. And there are bits, like Pod Racing's cool. Having yeah. more than one Jedi in a film is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, like Revenge of the Sith, isn't bad. It's probably the best of the best of the three. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I'm not sure. Oh, controversial. I feel like Phantom Menace could be the Fan- best. Phantom Menace has the best lightsaber fight. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and not just in the prequels, just in all of Star Wars. Yeah. 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 Probably. Agreed. So I wonder that. if we all agree on which fight. <laughs> <laughs> but which one is it? Jewel of the Fates, isn't it? Yeah. Because <laughs> I just, I do get upset when they just slice through all those poor little battle droids. I don't know why. It just, it upset me in '99. It's upsetting me now. <laughs> Again, like from a design perspective. Loads of things look really cool, like the battle droids, particularly the ones that roll and then the sort of like pop out. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're just a super cool design. So from that kind of point of view, there's a lot about the prequels to like. But and to be fair, the prequels are responsible for the best piece of Star Wars media, um, which is the Gendi Tartakovsky uh, Clone Wars. I, I really uh, thought series. you were going to say the Obi Wan Game Boy Color game, man. <laughs> <laughs> you thought, I thought it was the that. N64 pod racing game. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, with you, they're all valid options. Or the um, <laughs> oh, or the uh, the 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 Star Wars fighting game on the PlayStation One, Masters of Tarascasi, which is terrible. Oh man, the past. But but again, <laughs> Wars is incredible. I'll, I'll give you that. On, on this one occasion, I will allow that maybe Matt's right. <laughs> we'll see. Time will tell. We'll note that down. We'll, we'll get like a tally board of times we, we admit Matt's right. I say, I say board. We'll get a post-it note. <laughs> it's not going to have to be very big. So, <laughs> with that being said, sh- shall we get on to our... We should really, yeah. ...somewhat introduction of ourselves? Yeah. So, in essence, we have all picked a trade, a first trade, in theory, of a series that... You're just trying to jab at me by saying that. <laughs> Who would jab at you, Matt? I mean, you you just chose an entire series that only saw a trade and a half. <laughs> Barely a half. <laughs> A third. A, a trade that I'm... It's I, like, it's about a half. A, to be fair, each issue is about 35 pages, so technically, yeah. it's, it's definitely hmm. two trades. Yeah, um, big old, big old issues. However, the book Matt has picked is, yeah, the, the kind of book that collected edition, even digitally, I can only find in French. <laughs> 
don't know what the deal is with that. Right. To be fair, it's not hard to get physically. It got reissued. It got like reprinted a while back. Should we should we allow Matt to be the first book? No, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, we've all picked the first trade of a book that we quite like, in theory that that book will say a lot about who we are as comic book fans and readers. However, in a perhaps flawed mechanism, we have all picked books from about the last 10 years that were released by Image Comics. So... <laughs> <laughs> so interpret that as you will <laughs> i mean to be fair we're also generally stuck with what's available currently digitally as we're not able to meet up yes we, we can't like trade trades between us or whatnot so yeah we are a little bit limited i assume when this is heard by the greater populace we will get sponsorship deals from both kfc and image <laughs> <laughs> if they know what's good for them I'll, I'm also willing to throw in that we can be more positive about Rob Liefeld if that's what you need <laughs> and if, if that appeals to Image as well as KFC great <laughs> a big fans at KFC yeah if KFC wants to send Zach one of those new KFC computers um, that have got like, the compartment for fried chicken in the bottom Wait, is this real? Yes, it's yeah. and it's the, yeah. it's the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah, KFC have made like a games console. Well, no, it's can... a, game, a games console. A, well, a, a PC manufacturer basically has come to them and said, hey, we've got the, these bits. Do you want to slap your logo <laughs> on them and we'll put in a drawer for chicken? Seriously, <laughs> hit me up. I'm interested. <laughs> if you're listening, KFC. <laughs> I, you know what? I had KFC yesterday. It's been a pretty good weekend because of it. I, 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 I can say I've never had KFC. Oh, Matt, mate, mate, you're missing out, bro. Even, even before I was vegetarian. I, I, I'm, I'm sad to say that around about a year ago today, I was in Osaka with all you can eat KFC, and basically. The last 12 months have been in a major decline since that point. <laughs> That's a beautiful dream. You've been yeah. chasing after that high ever since. Been chasing the all-you-can-eat original recipe ever since, yeah. One of these days, I'll get back there. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's talk some comics. Oh, oh do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> On a comic book podcast? About comic books we, we care about. Kentucky so, Fried Comics. Yeah, Will, what was your favourite comic that was brought to us by the Colonel? So, my favourite com- uh, Colonel comic, my... my cur- cur- no. <sighs> the comic that I have brought for you today, boys and girls, is Paper Girls, uh, released by Image Comics, no doubt, written by Brian K. Vaughan, uh, art by Cliff Chang, and colours by Matt Wilson. Elevator pitch uh, is the story of a group of paper girls, no less, paper delivery girls set in a a fictional town in Cleveland who uh, their town, while they're delivering papers, is hit by an invasion of uh, mysterious people from the future. And the girls are kind of caught up in the crossfire between two warring factions of time travellers. 
and hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues. I kind of came to this book through uh, Brian K. Vaughan from reading, uh, obviously, Saga, which I think a lot of people have heard of, and uh, Why the Last Man. Mm-hmm. So when this first started coming out, it was kind of an obvious jump on for me. But uh, what is in Paper Girls is better than I, I sort of could have imagined, I think. Yeah. The story ticks all of my all of my boxes. So it's set partly in the 80s, but because it's about time travel, obviously we jump about all over the place. Uh, I'm not really a child of the 80s. I'm a child of the 90s, but there's a big section at the 99-2000 uh, New Year celebrations. I was alive then, and I remember that. <laughs> uh, Cliff Chan's art is superb. Uh, it's kind of a got a slight pop arty mm. vibe to it, where the the colouring by Matt Wilson again is quite simple. Is not the right the right word for it, but they, they are. It's very kind of clean colouring, um, often quite like large block colours, but that's also uh, backed up by some incredible sort of background detail in like vistas of future cities or in like ancient jungles or wherever they end up. Hmm. I I think that is a pretty glorious summation of Paper Girls. Um, Yeah. I think I'm I'm willing to go as far as to say this is my favourite Brian K. Vaughan book. So, yeah. Good choice, Will. One of the things that I, I quite often go in for, particularly Brian K. Vaughan, is his uh, ability to make you sad. He's uh, he's real good at uh, like delivering you a character that you learn to love and then just whipping it away from you real quick. Uh, but Paper Girls, despite having its kind of its moments of uh, melancholy, is a relatively uh, kind of positive book, I think, particularly mm. for Brian. Brian, I call him his first name because it was me and, me and Bry Guy, yeah. uh, <laughs> Mr. Vaughan. Um, is yeah, relatively positive for his kind of his style of comics writing, um, and it's one of those few comics that really, really sticks the landing. Mm. Like I think the the end is really satisfying and uh, collects up all of the pieces. It's a lovely kind of five volume. Was it thirty issues? I think like it's a it's a decent chunk of story. Yeah, and it's I think it's pretty great throughout. Like I'm not sure there are any real weak spots in it that I, I can think of. Yeah, it's one of those books that I really do want to kind of. I I read the the first volume when it came out, and have been meaning to kind of f- follow up on it. Um, ever since, like, because I loved what I read. Like, it has this sort of great feeling of like youth fighting against, like, uh, against tradition and kind of structures yeah. trying to mm-hmm. hold them in like in place. And it really kind of spoke to me when I read it. And then I just kind of failed. We live in a world where they're just pumping out new books constantly. And yeah. uh, some things just get left to the wayside, don't they? But um, this was the one that when it was coming out, like I was I was avidly watching for every kind of next release. 
and uh, and jumping on that because yeah, I was really really into this. Mm. Mm. I I completely agree. I think this is a, a book that was really easy to keep up with, and I think the fact that it was only six. Oh yeah, Zach. Five lights. Rub salt in the wound there. I mean, shut up, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the fact that there was only six volumes as well is a really positive thing. I think it's nice when things conclude. Yeah, like he had a story to tell and told that story. And I think I would rather have something like this because I'm, I'm absolutely, uh, I absolutely enjoy going back and having rereads of this. Mm. If I had something that was like 14 trades long or, you know, hundreds of issues, I think you'd think twice before diving back into it. But something yeah. that's 30 issues, yeah. maybe once a year, once every like 18 months, I'll just say, I'll pick that up and have a, have a reread. And I'd much rather have that than just an uh, uh, unmanageable epic, I suppose. Yeah, I think, especially when Vaughn's got Saga on the go, and did he threaten that he's not even halfway through Saga at the moment? So yeah. oh. I feel like Saga's the kind of thing that you might never reread. <laughs> No, <laughs> I will never end. I mean, the only reason I, I I might never reread it is because I don't own any of it in trade. It's the only book I've <laughs> ever kept up re- like reading in singles in years. Um, like so, and and making sure to sort them properly. Yeah, is yeah. Is, <laughs> is too much. <laughs> it's a lot of effort. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Saga as well. Like, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to its return. Um, and Brian K. Vaughan is one of those people I will always check out, kind of what he does. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not, not everything has been 100% success for me, but I will always have a look because there's always a potential of it being superb. Mm. Mm, little, yeah. Definitely. Little French for yeah. When I, like, when, when, when he was first coming back to comics with Saga. I was so excited, just like I was there, like as soon as the as soon as I could buy the first issue, um, because just like the, the the concept that that he was going to be making something new, and with like and with uh, staples on that was like oh yeah okay, um, so that's a book I actually have to buy. Um, and I've kind of had that same feeling to a greater or lesser extent with almost everything he's put out since. And Paper Girls uh, is the the one that's really felt rewarding mm. Um, mm. in that regard. Other than other than Saga, and like it might be a it might be a stronger first trade than Saga for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say it is in a lot of in a lot of ways, because Saga. I think I got to the end of the first volume and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go read some more. Whereas I got to the end of Paper Girls, I was like, oh, I should really check out the next one. It, there was more of an impetus. I don't know whether it was the characters, just because I prefer the Paper Girls characters. <laughs> to the characters. Of, sorry, I, Saga fans. I, mean, I, I yeah. Sorry, sorry, uh, sorry. No, you go, Matt. I was gonna say, like, for me, like. Saga has the strength of just kind of being this strange hodgepodge of like every kind of 
fantasy and sci-fi trope um, thrown into a blender and kind of like and and watch it and watch them all kind of interact with each other mm. which mm. appeals to me as someone who's consumed far too much of like every genre that it's kind of working with um, and every sort of subgenre of it so that kind of that world works for me really well but i just i really like the kind of energy that that paper girls has um yeah. going with it in that in, in its opening and like yeah i i like think like you know i like girl gang movies and mm. stuff and like just yeah this it it's it's a it's like it's a girl gang comic at the start and that's that's cool as hell but that's it's got that vibe of those sort of 80s um sort of kids adventure films yeah um it's it's much more like referential as well there are references to sort of D&D to uh, Apple the company there are just like odd references that partially help to kind of put you in a timeline you know, like the D, the D and D bits first appear in the eighties, and then the Apple bits first appear when you start seeing some of the future stuff. Um, but he kind of uses those kind of brands to it keeps it tied to the to the our reality, like the real world, but uh, still has that kind of fancy adventure. I, yeah, is it just me or is Brian K. Vaughan really really into Apple? Not not just in this. <laughs> it, it's it's in other things, like it's in. Uh, Private Eye has a fair few Apple references, and I don't know. Is, is this just a Brian K. Vaughan thing? Is he just has like he chasing secret... that sweet sponsorship? Or... Yeah, I was going to say, has he got secret Apple sponsorship? Is there is there anything in X Mac in that? Not that I can immediately think of, but I bet there is. Pride of Baghdad. <laughs> <laughs> the, there's there's this definite moment where there is a lion sending a text, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Yeah, and iPhone, it says yeah. and it says sent from my iPhone. Yeah, I remember <laughs> a hippo wearing Google Glass as well. Ah, damn. Uh, <laughs> there's a, also w- one of my favorite things in Volume One of Paper Girls is there is a bit where uh, we see is it grandfather? Yeah. Uh, answering a like phone that is built from an apple with an eye in it and yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes <laughs> yeah either, either loves them or hates them because they do seem to represent like the man yeah i just can't tell which it is and maybe we'll never know yeah but... well i think that's something about this as well is that throughout the book different people are, are the heroes and the villains like he's very good at twisting a character's motivations or how you see them as the reader and sometimes mm. people you've really loved like do something that is quite disappointing and then sometimes characters who at this point have been a villain or a menace suddenly do something you think oh okay and they're not they're not complete bastards yeah i think that's a good point i think there's a lot of twists to everything that there can be a twist to and yeah yeah. I, I do feel like it is more organic than some of the twists in to use it as a constant example saga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but it's a it's sci-fi, it's time travel. It's looks incredible. 
it just ticks all of my all of my comic boxes for Paper Girls. Yeah. Um, that's why it's my choice. Thank you. For <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> Before we we move on, what were the other books that you almost chose? I think we should ask everyone. Okay. Yeah. Not a bad show. This like. Uh, I thought about Black Science again. Mm. We're, we're talking <laughs> sci-fi, but now we're talking interdimensional. Think sliders, but with cooler helmets. Completely different from time travel is dimension travel. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh, Astro City. That was. It was hard not to pick Astro City because that is probably the best superhero book. Mm, Astro City is very good. Yeah. Uh, Black Hammer. <laughs> I, I like I like uh, alternative superheroes. That was my other like main vein. It's sci-fi or it's alternate superheroes or cool fantasy. That's my. Uh... Oh yeah. Yeah. Seven to eternity might could have come in there. I'm also a big Rick Remender boy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so who wants to go next? I I guess I can if if. I have to. Thanks, Zach. <laughs> I, I just know Matt will do anything to avoid being anything but last. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll go third. Ooh. Controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what the tone was with that, but I stand by it. So, <laughs> my choice was Chew by John Lehman, writer, and uh, Rob Guillory. Arthur. And um, we're under the impression it began in 2009. Yep, my trade says it did. And of course, <laughs> Matt's trade is gospel. <laughs> so, what is Chew, I hear you asked your listening device and um, looking like a maniac in the street. Um, so, Chew follows the adventures of Tony Chew. And Tony Chew is Cebopathic. We settled on Cebopathic, Cybopathic, Cebo, Cebo. Cebo. Cebopathic. And that means he can take a bite of an apple and get a feeling in his head about what tree it grew from, what pesticides were used on the crop and when it was harvested. Or he could eat a hamburger and flash onto something else entirely. Wow, Zach, it's almost like you you were reading that from a script. (laughs) Or a comic book. Why would you say that? <laughs> I, I'm just doing the best job I can do. <laughs> However, for some reason, he doesn't get any psychic impression from Beats, just like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> but th- there's more to it than just chewy in things and thinking stuff. So Tony ends up working for the FDA, who basically crack down on food-related crimes. But why, I hear you ask? Your phone Why is that? in the street. Um, basically, because there was a bird flu that killed 23 million Americans or 116 million people worldwide, which I guess is the real number that matters. But hey, that's not the one you put on your monument, is it, America? <laughs> well, that got... Uh, yeah. That went uh, dark. Which basically led to the FDA and the American government outlawing chicken. So you can't eat chicken because what if it kills you? And um, the FDA try and stop you eating chicken and investigate other food-based crime. And that's basically the premise of Chew. Tony eats stuff to solve crimes, and crimes involve food and 
having to eat food and eat people to solve crimes. And that is true. As the official uh, KFC <laughs> spokesperson, I want to say that we stand strongly against the illegalization of chicken. As the resident vegetarian, <laughs> I, very pro it. I, I am very pro um, the like like uh, oh yeah, my god, criminalizing like chicken farming. But if I was to like kill For and meat. fry a For wild meat. chicken. Oh yeah, those wild chickens. <laughs> They're everywhere, there's wild chickens. <laughs> the wild chickens of the woods. Yeah, you can't just let like you can't like most dangerous games some chickens and claim they're like um claim they're wild by just releasing them into the forest <laughs> and hunting them over a course of a few days. <laughs> I mean, uh, does one need to hunt a chicken or does one just simply need to find a chicken and go, Oh sweet chicken and just pick it up? It's does <laughs> one hunt a chicken or does a chicken hunt one? <laughs> so oh, So why did why did you pick this chicken hating book, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saving us from ourselves, Angela. So Basically, my my thoughts on Chew are that this is one of the first, like, image books I remember reading, and I stand by it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it seemed weird as hell at the time, and I think that's what attracts you to it, is that when you read the description and it's, you know, bird flu, outlawed chicken, chicken speakeasies... FDA cracking down on people eating chicken and food-based superpowers. It's the kind of just absurd enough to make good sense book that appealed to me. I think it's consistently ridiculous, consistently funny. And I I think it just spoke to me on the fact that at the time I was into a lot of DC. It, It was a dark time in my life, obviously, you know. Um, I was being threatened with a reboot of everything I knew and loved. And um, yeah, I, I think it just came along at a time when I was reading a lot of DC and a lot of superhero books, and it was absolutely none of that. Yeah. Although it does involve a lot of superpowers and superpowered crime, but shut up. Yeah, it <laughs> came out at a similar sort of time for me in terms of, like, I'd read my fair share of indie books and well i'd read a lot of indie books and stuff but like chew was the right kind of weird yeah uh, when it came out like and it wasn't afraid of its premise i i completely agree and i think that's a huge appeal i think there's a lot of like mid-thousands indie books that are a little bit shy about what they're trying to do at times like yeah, it just it yeah. it isn't afraid to take what it's actually like. It isn't afraid to take its premise and push it to like the limits. And whilst I think that that isn't necessarily like as it goes on, sort of later on, it maybe goes a little bit sort of too too wacky in some ways for me kind of um towards like the last third maybe mm. okay. um i can see that i still um 
but I yeah, I still own it all, and I I've I've re I've read and re reread it. I um, I would just like the record to show that Matt has acknowledged that something is too wacky for him. And I'd, I'd, it's not okay. It's not exactly. It's like where it focuses its wackiness. I guess wacky in all the wrong places. Um, because like, I, I like, I, I think we have the same sort of favorite part of Chew. Um, Zach, I, I think that is fair. I, I know like, we, we which, both have a thing for yeah. Like, I think it's volume five. Well, it's it's volume five or volume four. I'll, uh, I'm literally sat right by my <laughs> uh, my volumes of it. No, it's don't check. One. Go on the gut feel. It is the baseball one. It's yeah. it's volume five. <laughs> um, like it's it's great. It's like just like without any other spoilers um, to it. Like the it, it's a volume that majorly kind of shakes up the core premise like Tony stops working for the FDA and instead becomes a traffic like a traffic <laughs> cop and for the first time in the book is actually happy yeah um, and then kind of what it decides to do um, with his uh, superpathy is that he gets like he gets kidnapped to be auctioned off to eat, um, and like to eat the body, uh, like to eat the body parts of any, of like anyone who the bidder wants. So you have um, like the Aryan nation trying to get him to eat um, Hitler. Hitler. You have like um, uh, Elvis. Um, like Elvis fans wanting to find out if Elvis is dead or not because he'll know um, like what Elvis knows um, if he eats him. Like, yeah, people wanting to know all these secrets um, and like find out. You know, someone wanting to write like a, a an autobiography, like a, well, a biography um, of all these baseball players. So yeah. they're just going to feed him a line of baseball players. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that he can tell them all about their lives and stuff. It's it goes to some great places like that, and that is like it's 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 a very funny, clever book. Yeah, but that's yeah fueled around that premise of food. There's some real smart ways yeah. with it. There's kind of the obvious sort of uh, lower class class crimes of just smuggling chicken. Yeah, and then you have the the uh, the very rich diners who are eating things that are like almost extinct or or long extinct or yeah. long extinct when they yeah. is it like a, a saber toothed tiger like, or a mammoth yeah, saber toothed tiger or a mammoth or something of the, like that yeah De- it was <laughs> definitely one that. of the original Power Rangers zords that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how we class animals is what series of Power Rangers were they zords uh, in it's an important way to class things, you know? You ever That's tried to good. eat a train? It's a terrible new, series. New David Attenborough <laughs> show. Spotting yeah. Zords in the wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think because of how bizarre it is, it, it really did appeal to me. It also makes constant references to Tarantino, Lost, and CSI. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I think as 
a teenager that was into all those things, it just, yeah, I don't know. Just seemed like it was speaking to me. Also, like, the backgrounds are always just constantly covered with weird little jokes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's something that I have then missed in, like, many books since and i'm always expecting if someone's put detail into background it's a matter or be a joke or be something and sometimes it's just words man yeah like (laughs) it's like we were saying when we were talking in um the christmas special of a previous podcast not this podcast Uh, (laughs) uh, like about with um with void trip how like void trip has like all has a bunch of like backgrounds of art jokes but it's never this kind of busy i guess yeah like it's there there's something in like every panel to notice like it takes me about like like when they were coming out it took me like twice as long to read an issue of chew yeah that did any other comic (laughs) because i'd spend about the same time i was reading a, a page to go through a panel after i'd read everything yeah, and it's for for dumb things like uh, I think the one in this that got me was a clean kitchen is a happy kitchen. <laughs> um, I, think, I think Rob Guillory's art throughout is is really excellent. Is that yeah, quite kind of it makes it sound like it's bad, but it's kind of messy, cartoony style. It's mm. almost caricature. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. that's it's, exactly. It's, a, it's weird cartooning. When you have his uh, Tony's uh, partner Mason Savoy, who is like a, an upside down triangle, like his oh, shoulders are I love massive yeah. and his legs are about two inches long and, yeah. and tiny. He's got that real like old Warner Brothers sort of cartooning. Yeah. But I'm also glad that they managed to that it's all Rob Guillory. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah. I haven't read any of the latest series, but I understand he's not on it. And I think I just can't help but think it's going to lose a little something. Yeah, I feel like as a team, uh, John Lehman and Rob Guillory are pretty perfect for this. And I think it's something I've I've read books by both of them after Chew. And um, so Rob Guillory's doing Farmhand at the moment, which yeah. feels like an extension of Chew in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. But. And I think it benefits from having the art and the kind of wacky storytelling that we see in Chew, whereas John Lehman's books, some of them I f- think I've found to be really good, like Out of Darkness. Yeah. Has yeah. Been, has been great. And um, I know he's got a new series that's just come out in trade, which is The Man Who Effed Up Time, which yeah. speaks to me as just a premise, um, which I'm really looking forward to checking out. But I know... Stuff like Leviathan, which he did, which is about essentially kaijus destroying everything, should have appealed to me. But all I could think was, man, Rob Guillory should be drawing this book. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. it's very difficult to still to kind of not think of them in the same breath and expect Mm, them to be together. And don't get me wrong, I think they're both great creators independently. But I yeah. think this, you can see that Chu has probably defined the start of both of their creative comic booking. Yeah, and, that, I, and that's not to take away from like the artist, like uh, Afu Chan, 
uh, think is the artist on Outer Darkness. Yes, it is. Um, who does some really great work. I yeah. really love the look of that book. Yeah, it is a really nice book, and it does completely suit the style. Man, I like Outer Darkness. <laughs> Man, I'm easily distracted. Um, but Chew's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. In conclusion, uh, Chew is good. One of the things that struck me on the reread, because I've not read this for a good couple of years, is basically every single issue like sets up a future arc of... Yeah, it's weird, this. isn't it, when you realise how much, how well planned out yeah, the and I don't thing know. Is. It's one of those things I always wonder, like, is it really well planned out, or were they just like, hey, we'll just include this and maybe it'll matter? Because <laughs> it I feels like they probably had a plan for the first like five or six volumes, and then and then it just goes off the rails, and or at least it. had like a yeah. few loose plot ideas. Yeah, and yeah. Then kind of would figure out exactly how to tie them together later. But, that's something yeah. that's always it, obviously we see that you know there's a lot of love for Lost and Tarantino and throughout the series and we have their pilot when they go to the Arctic Circle is Fred Lapidus who's just a character from Lost and <laughs> we have Caesar who is essentially Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction yeah and um it kind of made me think on this read through that. Is that is the real influence of shows like Lost or Pulp Fiction that there are that many threads in play and they are all there and maybe much like Lost has more plot lines than you can I don't know shake a drumstick at that this is that level of a KFC mm. chicken drumstick that's right <laughs> like all the guns are available if they want to sponsor us first how much did I miss. Um, with you having never watched an episode of Lost, um, you know what? Probably not loads. There, are, there are subtle references, um, and then obviously blatant ones of just stealing their pilot. But I, I know the stuff like the numbers from Lost make an appearance whenever they can, and yeah, other such things. I'm fairly sure there's a pic- there's definitely references to Hurley at some point, but that could just be a Weezer reference. <laughs> um, but yeah, there there are definitely lost references. I I feel like you probably don't miss a lot, but I mean they do go to a mysterious island in like volume two, right? So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean it's a bit late, but Matt, go and watch Lost, and if you come back to us in, you could do that in oh, a night, right? Can I actually? Okay, so one of my well, two of my favorite musicians. Um, have done a Lost uh, podcast um, where they talk about the episodes in no particular order um, okay. and have a large amount of musical um, seg- like segments. Um, and one of the hosts disappears uh, for several episodes. Um, I could go and listen to that and hope that it gives me enough of an understanding I, I think the the real trick here is that even if you watch all of Lost, I don't think it will give you enough of an understanding. Okay, okay. <laughs> just just send me some clips on YouTube's later. All right, Ron. All right, Hunt. <laughs> I'll, I'll do you like a best of Lost compilation. I'll make you a Lost mixtape. Cheers. Um, so what what other books were you uh did, you, did were you looking at 
for this. Uh, um, so there, there were a few. I'm not going to lie, and some of them were ruled out for reasons that will become obvious shortly. Um, <laughs> so one of the front runners was Royal Sea by Jeff Lemire, um, because I love it and it is perfection. You're welcome. Um, I also had a couple of Johnny Cates books I wanted to go at, uh, stuff like Redneck and God Country, that, oh, God, they're good. Um, ironically, I decided to not go with those because I didn't want to do an image book. <laughs> and look what happened. obviously works really well. And um, I feel like on some other podcast recently, I can't remember its name, we might have talked about Johnny Cates quite a lot. I don't know, is it? No, it's possible. <laughs> um, I also dabbled with basically every Quantum and Woody run. I just couldn't decide which one, and I think that's why I didn't go for that in the end, was I just couldn't pick one, and I uh. felt bad making you read, like, you know, let's be honest, probably about 50 issues, because there's not that much Quantum and Woody. <laughs> but, um, I'd have read it all. You already have. You've already read it all. I, I know I've read a fair <laughs> bit of it. <laughs> So, so there were a few different bits and pieces like that that I, I think very much could have been in this slot, but ch- choose good, yeah? And uh, also Umbrella Academy was was close to getting the pick until I realised how awkward it is to get because Dark Horse don't let us share documents between each other because they hate us. Yeah. That don't said, I, I also think you might all own Umbrella Academy. I'm pretty yeah. sure I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, got it somewhere. But well. I think you've mentioned it and Matt's mentioned it as well. And it's true for me that I kind of fell off comics for a bit. And when I was getting back into them, Chew was one of the very first ones. Yeah. I think it is a, just a good introduction to comics that aren't, these aren't your granddad's comics. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These aren't your dan- granddad's comics. Yeah. There's no damn dare in here anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis ah. the Who. <laughs> <laughs> Roger the what? <laughs> I, I do think that's very true, and I think um, this this is I think both this and Paper Girls are great introductions to non mainstream books. Yeah, in different ways. But yeah, ways, but and don't get me wrong. Saying the image isn't mainstream is like yeah, such yeah, a that's contradiction. A lie. Yeah. It's, it's the most mainstream you can get without being Marvel or DC. Yeah, well, without be being in the world superhero. of comics, even mainstream is is fairly piddly. <laughs> True, the... it's <laughs> the most mainstream of a niche. Yeah, <laughs> like like Image published Walking Dead. Yeah, yes. yeah. And I and I hear some people know that, and some people are under the illusion that there is no Walking Dead; it's just a TV show. That's Zach's favourite. I've heard Spawn. that rumour. I, I I've got some breaking news about Spawn Will, but I feel like I should <laughs> save it for off air. Oh no, <laughs> no, you want to do a whole new segment next episode. <laughs> Sorry. Breaking news. Oh, you've done it, haven't you? Go on, Zach. Alright. So against my better judgment. Spawn the origins. I I bought volume one of Spawn. Oh no! You know what? I've had an okay time. Is this the stuff with um? Uh, was it 
Was it Alan Moore or Neil Gaiman? I can't remember who came in and wrote. Like, nah, nah, buddy. This is this is Spawn. This is three. Where where Cogliostro comes in. I, I'm 92. I'm Todd McFarlane all the way. I'm Spawn Violator. I'm mm. Spawn lives in an alley. Oh yeah, he does. <laughs> has, the count, has the countdown clock that counted down. <laughs> yeah. I, here we are. 200 issues later <laughs> i i say i was enjoying um, I, I say i've I, i've kind of liked it but there are bits in it where the demon who's made a deal with spawn monologues for like an issue and all through that issue which i read the other day it was like man could this stop he's just like telling me the premise of this book and it was neil gaiman sorry i mean i'm i'm pre-gaming i'm <laughs> mcfarlane i'm mcfarlane um which incidentally, I think might be the name of his biography. And <laughs> well, no, um, it would be it, it would be lightly. McFarlane Publishing presents a Todd McFarlane product. <laughs> Todd, a, Todd, a, Todd 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 Mc... McFarlane. a Todd McFarlane production. Yeah, but while while it's aged horribly, I I think there are some pretty interesting ideas, and there are times where I think. And it hurts, but I think Todd McFarlane might be a pretty okay artist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, he yeah. defined, like, how Spider-Man's webs look. Yeah. True. Yeah. His yeah. work on Spider-Man and Venom was, I think, was pretty groundbreaking at the time. And, yeah, I think that's why Spawn, like, Spawn is a cool design. Like, just the oh, look God, yeah. of Spawn is, is awesome. And I kind of yeah. get why there's always that thread to pull you back in to trick you that it might be good this time I, I, so I this is why first... i chose spawn as my book. No, um... <laughs> i own the first four volumes Spoilers. Of spawn. i did what you did but three more times <laughs> I, I don't see me getting to issue 300 and in a previous podcast in a previous life i read spawn 300 and i absolutely hated it because i just felt like i was being treated to something that i was too unaware to even conceive what it was talking about yeah and i I don't see me filling in the 299 issue gap to have understanding well you've started and that is the (laughs) first part of the problem isn't it I, i remember the spawn animated series being good yeah and yeah to prevent a balanced view, because unfortunately I don't think any of us are going to stand up for sport here. No. To have run for 300 issues and be an indie book, like, people must get something from it. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's impressive to be able to run that long of any singular book, I think. So props to props to Todd for that. For keeping himself employed all these years. Yeah. <laughs> Being good at business. It's going to confuse the hell out of people when I cut out big segments of this and it sounds like Will just suddenly started praising Todd McFarlane with no context. <laughs> Do it. Directly have to bag it on life. Yeah, just like, <laughs> We can throw in some stuff about the other image creators just to like have the even playing field of our yeah. views. Mm. Next episode, we, <laughs> we, we rate the image founders. <laughs> oh man okay <laughs> number one <laughs> Jim Lee 
Dead night. Okay, yeah. uh, you're wrong, but um... <laughs> all right. It's my. It's it's probably Sylvester, isn't it? But I can't tell you why. <laughs> okay, so shall we go on? Shall we get out of this hole? Um, shall we dig upwards uh, to, to get out of this hole and um, go onto my book and dig a hey. different hole? <laughs> yeah, I'd like a new hole. Um. Ooh, la, la. So I, I brought um, what is, yeah, just a book like a, a book that kind of introduced me to one of my favourite uh, people working in comics um, of the last like fifteen years, um, which. Is uh yeah uh Orkstein by uh James Stoko with uh colors by James Stoko and art by James Stoko <laughs> and, and lettering uh, by James Stoko. There we go. Um, yeah, like it's a book. What is about orcs? Um, they <laughs> orcs do like one thing they fight they they just they they wreck everything they fight and just break stuff they're just instinctively driven to break things um reliable and then they themselves break apart like whatever sort of brings them together falls apart like they don't manage to cohere and any achievements they actually they 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 make um fall away their conquests uh just yeah collapse until uh, the coming of the orcs are um uh, an orc who's managed to like unify um the tribes and the the various uh, orcish peoples um, under his uh, banner and his uh, make like rapidly kind of making his way across the world seeking um, like like fulfilling prophecy and seeking a great treasure um, and possibly the end of the world um, and to do this he needs a key a key that is another uh, orc. Uh, an orc called One-Eye, who has the, the special power that he can actually just break anything. Um, he can look at something and know its weakness. He can... and, and then break it, exploit it. Um, he sees the fault lines in things. Like Karnak? And, yes, like Karnak. Um... And day to day, like when we when we're introduced to him, he's living as like a a safe cracker and sort of general no good type, no good Nick, um, thief. Um, and we're introduced it to him breaking into a safe that also is a bear, and that bear also has a bird inside its skull. That is an alarm that will wake up the bear to attack whoever's trying to break into it. 
this book rules. <laughs> <laughs> like, end of pitch. It, yeah. <laughs> the, the problem with trying to sell Orkstein in an audio medium, the problem with trying to sell almost anything that James Stokoe has done um, in audio is that so much of what makes his work amazing is his art. And to me, particularly, his work with colour. I love his colour palette. It changes between books, but like it's there kind of at its strongest in Orkstein, where everything is just all of these weird organic shades of whatever colour he's working with. Like, um, unless something is like made of rock or wood, it looks like it's made of flesh. It looks yeah. of some kind. Everything looks like you'd touch it, it would have a pulse. Um, or it would kind of like have some sort of fleshy give. Like it'd squish it, uh, as you touch it. Like it's weird and hard to kind of describe how how incredible his art um his art is like these really busy like war scenes um in like just the first sort of double page spread um of like this numberless um horde marching on these huge towers Mm. Um, and like all these various sort of like all 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 these various kind of like types of like war regalia that people are wearing that are like some some of which have huge like orc or monster penises draped across their shoulders as part of their decoration. It's so visually striking um, that, like, I cannot do it justice. Um, like, I I queued for four and a half hours um, once to get a chance to to go and like meet James Stokoe. There were seven people in the queue, and it was four and a half <laughs> hours because he was the coolest dude and did like massive um like like in one case like an a like it was like it might have been an a3 sketch um for someone for free with (laughs) ink um he is the best dude um on top of everything else some say part of matt's soul is still in that queue Well, let's not say about the fact that, like, I was queuing, I was still in that queue two hours after my girlfriend had arrived. And uh, left. <laughs> and I, I, I'd, I fell victim to the sunken cost um, fallacy and was like, well, I can't leave the queue. Uh, because then, all, then the, two, uh, the two and a half hours I've put in uh, will have gone to waste. <laughs> Hey, I'm proud of you. The the longest I've queued at a con was for Emma Rios, and that was like three hours. So I feel you. I, There's I a part, sure. point where you question yourself. 
oh, constantly, but I was fairly sure I'd never get to see him again. Um, so it was totally worth it. Yeah, I, I love this book. I love, like, the the world building that goes into it. Like, it's there in the trade, at least. I, um, that, like, they there's all this great little back matter that explains things about, like, the world. Like, the currency um, is, like, called Gronch, um, which is where you, uh, like, dry and lacquer um, the penises of, of, like, dead enemies of yours uh, and then cut it into coins, and it gives you um, a step-by-step guide into how to create Gronch. I make no uh, mistake, this book is exceedingly phallic. My One yes. of my favourite <laughs> things about this book isn't even in the book. It's in the description on comiXology which Ooh, is retailer warning may not be suitable for all ages <laughs> really? Correct. And I think so I don't sure. know if it's issue two or three that's included in the description and I just thought that was like a five that's star a late. That's a little late <laughs> yeah it's like you've already started but it, it, may, it suggests that somebody's kid picks this up and the parents went oh holy shit what's this yeah yeah like uh, image received some complaints. There were some strongly worded letters sent, and they on decided. Very, on a very brief tangent, am I right that Monstrous, when it first came out, won awards for like YA? Yes, yes, it sure did. It did. Yeah, and it's yeah. full of it's full of like maybe not the most graphic, but it's got nudity in it. It's got loads of bad language in it. It's got fairly gory violence in it. I thought, what part of this is for a? That's what kids love, Will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. I'll take it back. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's what plants crave. Um, <laughs> but I know I agree with you wholeheartedly, Matt. I think the art in this is uh, absolutely top tier. Um, and it's not... only gotten better if you look at, um, like, in, in the last year or two, he put out a book, a uh, little mini comic called uh, Sobek, um, which you should definitely check out. Sorry, go on. Uh, just, I was just going to say that every, at least every issue has one, like point in it, one page or one panel that is just extraordinary. Like such an inventive bit of art, even within the comics medium. Mm. Um, yeah, like it never does anything incredible with like panel structure. No, but what's in the panels? is cool and clever and like all the weird kind of organic like machines ah yeah like yeah like the the so like the soda cans that are like (laughs) screaming at them (laughs) begging begging not to be opened and die yeah but i think that's i think that's a real nice reflection because it's a story about orcs instead of like any of the other races that do get a mention but barely get seen that they're a kind of cruel and brutish people and their world absolutely reflect reflects that. Um, there's the bit where they're firing like explosive arrows and to make them explosive, they strap these sort of living clams on them. Yeah. And just, and, and it's just that idea that everything they do, even the simplest things like drinking from a can includes something dying, like <laughs> something brutal has to happen because that's just their culture. And all of that is a kind of design for this world. Um, I think we're just excellent. Yeah, it's weird and, like, funny in that regard. Like, it just 
throws like it, it's not like a it's not a comedy book, but it is so over the top violent, yeah, and stuff yeah. that like yeah. it's it's like that sort of it's 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 Tom and Jerry, but you see the consequences of the violence, <laughs> yeah. Um, and like yeah, uh, like there's great little things like um when um like uh, uh Bowie and uh, Zazu like. The they're these sort of in like they're this they're this sort of independent faction of the whole thing. Seemingly, one is okay, um, like a swamp witch, a, like a yeah, like a swamp yeah. witch poison, um, like uh, poison sort of brewer, uh, mm. and the other is her like living cape, <laughs> um, parasite symbiote thing. Made of um, hair. Made of hair? <laughs> question mark. Um, and like, they, there's some really fun, inventive things done with them, and like, watching the way that people's like bodies react to her sort of uh, poisons and mm, yeah. tinctures and stuff. Like mm. watching people's bodies turn into just pools of uh, of goo with eyes just springing out of them and watching Zazu turn into a, like, Goran Lagan scale drill uh, <laughs> in one panel is, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. Like, the, story, think... the story itself is, is, is fun and interesting, like, and the dialogue is, is great, but it's, it's such a visual experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in that way, it's a comic that kind of gets to have its cake and eat it. In that, it's the sort of the overarching story is epic, but One Eye's story is quite small and, and quite intimate. Yeah, um, it uh, it gets to have like real jeopardy for some of the characters, and yet, as you say, it is it is funny and it is kind of goofy, and it it sort of straddles that all the lines perfectly and i think it, it it nails kind of both ends of the yeah of the spectrum mm. and it's it's a very fully realized world it's just it is like because it's so visual you feel like you're sort of stepping into that weird weird mm. <laughs> orcish world it, it's quite immersive probably because of how good the art and the coloring is yeah mm. Yeah, yeah. Good I, despite, <laughs> despite, despite it being a mad fancy, it's kind of believable, and it, it's easy to yeah to to, to extend your imagination yeah. into it. So, uh, Will, best book? Um. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, yeah. You you picked the best book. No, um, uh, no, I know. In this instance, I'll say I I didn't necessarily pick the best book. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like the other books, I was kind of toying with like there were like it was between this and a few others it was between this and um infinite kung fu um which also rules but is 459 pages and none of you have time for that at the moment (laughs) even with like lockdown and stuff like um but it is great and i suggest everyone goes out and read it um box office poison like a 2001 like semi 
biographic, I think. Um, book that's 600 pages. Um, uh, the Nameless City, which is just mm. a yeah, really great like young adult um, series that's like very inspired by Avatar. Yeah. Uh, but does a great job of creating its own world as well. And uh, Box Brown's Andre the like Andre the Giant uh, book. Um, like all really good books, but I just want more people to talk about James Stokoe um, more often. And like it was the same like that and that was the same reason I would have gone for uh, for Infinite Kung Fu because Kagan McLeod is incredible. Um, but just doesn't put out enough work to get talked about as much as he should. Um, yeah. Same same with James Stokoe. Mm-hmm. So, um, Angela. Yes. Spotlight falls upon ye. Hooray! <laughs> Can you stand up to its fiendish glare? <laughs> well, we're about to find out. I might need a parasol. Um, so... The book that I picked is Descender, which is by Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn did the art. Jeff Lemire's obviously the writer, should have specified. (laughs) We'll move on. And Steve Wands, who was the letterer and designer. I don't know what he designed, but whatever he... (laughs) Good for him. It's like production. (laughs) We've no idea what it means. Um, So Descender, in a nutshell is the story of a little boy robot called Tim 21 who wakes up 10 years after there's been a a catastrophic event in the galaxy. Um, Giant robots called Harvesters came along and basically wiped out billions of people for reasons unknown. Um, And most of the robots were then all rounded up by scrappers and destroyed in various ways and means uh tim 21 escaped he was on a little colony with a little boy called andy who was his human brother and his mum and they had a little dog robot called bandit who's adorable i love bandit bandit's the best uh apart from driller we'll get on to driller in a driller's minute driller's great so tim um Tim 21 wakes up, he can't find Andy's disappeared, Uh, most of the colonists are dead, he doesn't know what's happened to them or his mother, he's all upset, Um, but he has Bandit with him, and then some scrappers come along, um, and they obviously want to scrap him because he's a robot, and they run into the mines where they find Driller, who is a real killer, is Driller. Uh, Meanwhile, back with the... uh, I don't know if we can call them humans because they're kind of not. We'll call them the UGC because that's who they are. So there's a Dr. Kwan who sort of invented modern robotics. Um, and he is called upon by General Nagoki. Um, and he's brought by Captain Telza and her little friend Tullis. And they have to go and find Tim 21. They've got news that Tim 21's active. And Tim 21's codex, that is the base code of it's like the DNA of robots matches the harvesters. So here they have the opportunity to work out who the harvesters are, maybe have a defense against them. Should they ever come back? And that basically sets it up. So then they have to go 
and rescued him from the scrappers and then they get caught by the scrappers and many plot lines ensue because it's a very long series um the reason i picked it um so jeff lemire is one of my favorite writers he could literally write two stick figures on a paper bag and i'd probably declare it one of the greatest comics of all time um so there's that um okay so you, also, you heard you heard it here first don't trust yeah. angela talking about gentleman comics seriously because it could it's, just be a paper bag with stick <laughs> figures on it i'm expecting him to publish that with image next year um so yeah so he's one of my favorite writers but also I empathise a lot with characters who are robots. Um, you may have noticed that from my earlier comment regarding battle droids. So, and Tim 21 so adorable. And I remember seeing the first issue because it has a very iconic cover. It's also on the cover of the first trade where you have Tim with a lot of the sort of human skin and bits sort of stripped back. So he clearly looks like a little robot boy looking up with a moon in the background and it's just a really evocative image and i was like "Ooh, what's this and that yeah that was issue one and it's one that i have in singles and trade and other forms um but it's one of those that i wanted to read every single issue and i reread it the art in it is so different to anything else that i've yeah. seen Mm. it's almost like watercolors mm. it's quite some of it's really minimalist there's a lot of white particularly for the ugc scenes they're all mm. sort of really white and clinical yeah and like it, all the factions have their own color scheme yeah and, and aesthetic it, it gives you that it gives you a sense of being alien without being obviously alien it's quite subtle mm, yeah. and i like that a lot um and also just the characterization. All the characters have their own little arcs throughout the course of Descender. Obviously, we focus on Tim because he's sort of our little POV character for a lot of it. But like you see, you know, even Bandit gets sort of development. Driller has some of the greatest development of any robot character in any comic ever. <laughs> in that of any not... killer mining equipment. Yeah, any killer mining equipment. Because, you know, I didn't think... Uh, by the end of it, you know, I would be crying over the fate of a driller, a mining drilling robot that's killed people. And yet, um, I empathise very strongly with that, you know, murderous drilling, killing robot. Bless him. Maybe we should um, take her a moment to remember Scoops. Yes. <laughs> drillers, <laughs> drillers' original partner. Drillers' partner, yeah. I mean, that issue damn near killed me, that did. Oh. That was just so emotional. It was like, oh. God. Um, but even Dr. Kwan, because Dr. Kwan's kind of a bit of an asshole through a lot of oh, it. Yeah. But, you know, he has an arc. Uh, tells us a really excellent female character. Um, mm. And, you know, she's really interesting from because her dad, spoiler alert, it's not a spoiler, General Nagoki is her dad, so she's been brought up in this very sort of, you know, almost militaristic, you know, even though he's like, call me dad, she still calls him general. Um and, you know, she's sort of the, the typical military UGC person. And then she grows. Um, so, yeah, it's just really good. The art is absolutely wonderful. Um, the writing's really good. The characters are really good. And it's one of those books that when I was sat there reading it, I thought, this is why I read comics. This is a comic to prove why I read comics, because this is the medium to tell this story in. And it works so well. And it's really pretty. 
And in conclusion, it's an excellent book. <laughs> it's I the agree. best book. The best book. It, it still is my favourite. I, I mean, it was published in 2015. Five years later, I still love it. Yeah, I'd not read it um, before reading it for the podcast. Um, I'd mm. meant to, because I used to read like a lot of Lemire stuff. I still try, but like we've said before, very long list of books. <laughs> um, and, yeah, like, I... I was somehow, despite the cover for the first issue, um, or, like, for the trade, at least, sorry, um, showing Tim's, like, skin kind of coming away in panels and stuff, when it it does the reveal when he's, like, spooked um, by Bandit, and you see it happen, I was like, oh, somehow I'm very, very dumb. Um, and was like, oh yeah, he's a robot! <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Um, I really like that bit where he's startled by Bandit, because it does yeah. clearly show, this is not a human child. Yeah, it, and it does it very well, where, like you say, if you'd not seen the like the, 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 the cover, and you didn't know, or you were me, um, and uh, just a little not great at the uptake, um, it, it does a great job of kind of it doesn't feel unnatural with it you just go oh yeah of course that makes mm. that makes sense um and fits mm. like i yeah i just really liked it and um like Jilla, it's great <laughs> um he just Jilla's made me think so good. he made me think of um Robots in the uh, the like, in the Judge Dread, uh, the Robot Wars, um, like well, the Robot War, sorry, um, mega like mega epic, um, where you've got like, um, uh, uh, you've got call um, call me Kenneth, call me Kenneth, and like the heavy metal kid and stuff who are just like <laughs> massive, um, like. Like, Call Me Kenneth is just, like, was, like, a carpentry robot? Yeah, I can't um, remember. Yeah, or something like that, and he's just... And, and like, yeah, just starts hitting them, and, like, then these giant construction robots, and I was like, yeah, Driller! Driller's gonna go and fight <laughs> Judge Dredd! Um, but Driller's, Driller's sweet. Driller cares. He does. He doesn't have, the like, the best uh, processor or software... But no. it's got a good. I want like whatever a robot has that's like a heart. <laughs> um, like he's 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 a good one. <laughs> he's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he does kill people with drills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess my my first point is um, Captain Telsa quickly became Captain Tesla and that remained the same throughout the throughout the read for me. It's only now that I remember <laughs> well, that whole... I, I'm just saying so it that's wrong. The whole, yeah, there's that's a the whole, whole bit with Quan where he's like, so, Captain Tesla, and she's like, it's Tesla. Oh yeah, right, so, Captain Tesla. Yeah, despite <laughs> so not even that. Quan gets it and he's at, she's actually telling him the whole time. So. It's true. Despite that, it remained Tesla. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, Bandit is one of the best versions of what a like robotic pet 
might be like. Yeah. It's yeah. essentially just looking like a sort of uh, early 2000s iMac yeah. with yeah. wheels on the back, tiny little paws at the front, and then just this screen that shows rudimentary sort of emojis and punctuation. Oh, yeah. so cute. Oh, and he barks. Oh, the, the, um, the like, onomatopoeia joke when he's barking and it's saying like fra fra yeah, yeah. i just thought like, what is what is this go what's going on and then he's like oh you're broken turns it around and then it's going arf arf and you know, yeah. yeah that that's a good comics joke right there yeah yeah it's yeah it really one is. of those jokes that needs to be in a visual medium yeah 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 it um, would, wouldn't work any other way and, like it's it's really well it's a really interesting science fiction universe mm. um like the it's like whilst it does some very kind of standard things i do like the harvesters um like that that's just it's just like they're there then they're just gone uh, leaving like, destruction in their wake yeah but just almost immediately gone and no one yeah. knows why no one yeah. knows why they appeared and no one knows why they left I, yeah. I think it's a pretty solid mystery to set to to build a premise around. It's pretty solid. Yeah, it's. Well, sorry, buddy, you go ahead. No, after you. <laughs> I was just going to say, while it's probably not the most kind of original concept of of the idea of robots having feelings and being slaves <laughs> and overthrowing humanity, or in this case, sort of being destroyed after people got too scared, but it does feel like almost a perfection of that genre of storytelling yes. as well as you know it's been done before but maybe not as good as it's certainly not in a comics medium i don't think no uh, yeah, obviously just... i'm referring to ai that great movie yeah yeah <laughs> uh, all yeah. of the characters are like you said just they feel um really like tim feels like both a child and a robot in the way that like yeah he's playing the part of a child but like isn't he he knows he's playing the part um like you know when and 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 people keep constantly like almost referring to like the people he was given to as mm. like his mum or his yeah. brother and stopping themselves, and he's like, "Yeah, no, don't worry. I I know I'm not like actually a child, and but like, I know I'm a machine who was made for this and stuff, rather than like you know." I, but he's not distance enough from it to actually not still act and feel like a child most of the time. Yeah, despite being aware of it, it still is yeah. programming. Yeah, he, he doesn't kind of. Like most of the time, he's not really working against that, and it's really kind of sad in some ways to watch. That like he knows these things, and he's got the emotional distance, kind of, to be able to say, "Oh no, don't don't worry. I know that like I'm not this, but not the capacity to like he, but he can't like emotionally emotionally distance from this because he was." programmed to not emotionally like to not be able to yeah. and to to invest and to mimic and yeah. stuff in a way that is supposed to convince himself as much as anything 
it's mm. really kind of sad. I mean, it's Jeff Lemire, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be sad. I, I think, okay, whilst we have obviously touched on Jeff Lemire being good at the sad in the past, and will no doubt touch on it in the future, I think really beyond the sadness lurks probably some of the best character work in comics. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah. exactly what I'm saying about with like with Tim and like Doctor Quan. Yeah, um, like I've only read the first trade, but he seems like a fascinating character. Yeah. He's a real fascinating son of yeah. a bitch. Like, <laughs> and charlatan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like I like that even in the first trade, all those characters. You know, yeah. Tim, Bandit, Driller, Dr. Quan, Telza, etc. <laughs> They're all rounded characters, which to get that in a first trade, to have them that well-rounded that early on, yeah. I think does speak to the fact that Jeff Lemire, I mean, you see it in his other books as well, but he has top-notch characterization. He, yeah. he just nails it every time. And, you know, the fact that you've got a little robot that's essentially a pet dog <laughs> actually come through as his own standalone proper character mm. that's that's not easy he True. does stick to his uh his uh his usual kind of family um themes yeah yeah with uh obviously tim and his kind of human companions at least he considers them family um and you've basically just got all these kind of displaced people. Uh, yeah, all, you've got lost people who... Yeah, you kind of yeah. form this odd family unit between them. But uh, Lemire always loves getting some family feels in there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And if you're good at something, do it as often as possible. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the mantra I live by. <laughs> Did you have any other choices for this, Angela, or was it? Well, yeah, how was many list... 90s Valiant books? <laughs> they were on there. Um, so there was a Jeff Lemire list. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Na- naturally. Um, yeah, of course. Um, so Black Hammer was up there, mm-hmm. uh, fist bump with Will. Um, also his run on Bloodshot, speaking of Valiant, but modern Valiant, Bloodshot Reborn, yeah. which to my mind is the absolute best that character's ever been. And will be, yeah. because he's no longer on that book. Thank you, Valiant. Anyway, um, <laughs> bringing him back in a bad way. Um, there was a Dark Horse title on there, Cryptocracy. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but because it's Dark Horse and they don't let us have nice things. <laughs> um, but I like that one because it's weird mythology and also a talking bear. So why it's not? <laughs> that was on there. Um and then I thought, you know, Archer and Armstrong, either a new run or, you know, I could have thrown the 90s run in there. It's it's a thing. I, it's um, it's yeah. Like that's one thing yeah. it has. It's, it's got that. It's got a lot of dated, dated things. Um, <laughs> yeah, that too. So dated. Uh, but yeah, so those were my other possible choices. There you go. Right. Yeah. And in conclusion... Speaking of good choices... <laughs> yeah. I've got nowhere to segue to. No. 
Um, so thanks for listening. Thanks for choosing to listen to us ramble for the last <laughs> however long it's been. <laughs> That's a good choice. I think this has been a good little intro to who we are as comic book people, though. Yeah. yeah. Our comic mad Perhaps. ramblings. And and that's what the people want, I assume. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know what the people want. I just assume this was probably it, right? I mean, and don't yeah. worry, Zach and I will be back with our second part of the Mr. St. Nick discussion <laughs> next week. It's not really a discussion, it's just us pitching what the sequels could be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, Mr. St. Nick. What, what a way to end the year. Um, <laughs> so... I think this more or less brings us to the conclusion of our introductory episode. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I would like to thank everyone for joining us, uh, both as co-hosts and potential listeners out there in the real world. Um, I hope everyone's got a, enough of a grasp on who we are and will join us going forward in our weekly segments where we'll be doing trade reviews film i want i was gonna say film reviews but it's really more dissections of films that no one wants reviewing yeah that's That's a niche that needs filling taking a real close look at comic book films that most people wouldn't look at in any sense yeah yeah um and then we'll be doing our monthly roundups of independent stuff that we quite like from whatever month or, or don't quite like and have, have forced you to read which yeah. <laughs> i mean generally we tr- generally we try to pick things um that we think we'll like yeah um, that we think could use more attention and That's... it's not always going to be image related no, no <laughs> it might be white noise collective <laughs> yeah and um, I think it's been an odd one that we've gone all image this week, and I think there was a lot of chance for us to all go in very different directions. Maybe we'll do a catch-up intro episode in a few months where we'll all choose a different publisher. Well, that'll give you all time to read um, Infinite Kung Fu. (laughs) That'll work well. If we start now, we can be finished by June. (laughs) Um, So next week we will be back with a Manchester Comic Book Club tie-in. And we'll be discussing Heathen. Um, I don't know who'll be joining me, so that'll be a surprise for us all. <laughs> and um, if, as our comic book club meeting will be online still, if you do want to join us, please hit us up on Twitter at Mank Comic Book or Facebook at Manchester Comic Book Club. Also, follow us on Twitter at Bigger Than Capes. We also have a website, which is biggerthancapes.com. And. Um, yeah. Well, well, that's all the social media I think we actually have right now, but... We're working on it. Hey, you know. They might bully me to get on Twitter someday. I'm still I'm just, working on that. I'm just going to make a Twitter account and pretend to be Matt. You can't do any worse than I would. Exactly. <laughs> so just to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, who are Travelling Man. They're based in Manchester, York, Newcastle and Leeds. And in this, yeah, in this urban hellscape that we now <laughs> inhabit, in the in the hell world of 2020, shortly to become 2021, you find yourself stuck indoors. But what's this? You also require comics. Why? What if there was some place on the internet where comics could be acquired? Why? Hark! There it is. 
travellingman.com <laughs> delivered to your address. <laughs> Oh, th- this is also true. So if, if if you guys want comics, you want mangas, you want board games, you want magic cards. Nerdery. Yeah. Miscellaneous nerdery. They got Nerd, you. Miscellaneous. Miscellaneous. Pretty sure that's how you say it, Matt. Miscellaneous. Saying it with like a, a 90s, like Paulie Shaw... Tight inflection doesn't make it any more true. <laughs> That's worked in the past. Uh, <laughs> so we've been Zach, Angela, Will, and Matt, and we will continue to be. Uh, this has been bigger than capes, and remember that comics is bigger, bigger than, than capes. capes.